On this episode of Our Green Revolution, we catch up with Wayne Neal, Managing Director of Greening the Caribbean at the 2018 Caribbean Climate Innovation Summit. He tells us about his role in environmental management and how he addresses waste from a climate change perspective, how he mobilizes businesses to become more sustainable and green enterprises. Hello and welcome, I'm your host, Joshua Forte. This is the vanguard of our green revolution. So, so tell us what is Green in the Caribbean? What's it all about and how you got started? Green in the Caribbean, the phrase that most people won't understand, but I use it anyway, is we're an environmental management business. What I mean by that is it specifically we provide a waste management and recycling service to businesses. So we're a business-to-business service provider. We approach a business and we introduce them to the fact that we can actually establish a waste management and recycling program for them, which would replace their current waste disposal practices, which basically involves the commingling of all different types of waste and dumping into landfill, which is a totally unsustainable practice, especially on in, in, in small island economies. So we set up the system where plastic bottles and cans go in one section, uh, cardboard goes in another section, e-waste and any materials containing metal go in another section, and then garbage uh, for the landfill uh, should be then bagged and then placed in a separate section. So when we go in, we collect garbage, we transport that to the landfill, and then on alternate days, we go in and then we collect the recycled materials, we bring it to our resource recovery center, we either we disassemble, we process, and we inventory the materials until we have sufficient quantities to then export for the actual next stage of the recycling, which is where they are, will pop the material, melt the material, and then transform it into something, something new. That's the service that we actually provide. And we also provide training to the staff of these companies on waste disposal practices, how they should, you know, flattening a box, you know, the fact the bag should be tied when they're being, when they're being, very, very basic. The only thing, what's innovative about what we're doing is we're introducing it into an environment where those practices don't exist. So that the innovation, it has to do with introducing an existing process into an environment where that process is not practiced. So tell me, if you could give us an idea of how do you go about engaging with the business to start adopting these practices, practices that they weren't doing before, how do you get them to see the importance of it? The only way that a business like this can grow is that it's it's a one-on-one. We're, though waste management is an essential service, it's not recognized as, a, as an essential service. It's underplayed as a contributor to climate change. So the only way to engage a business is a cold call. Um, with that cold call, if you get the interest, then you just follow standard sales practices and you just do the necessary follow-up, have a meeting with a decision maker, confirm their interest in the service that you're offering to them as an alternative to the existing practice. And then you just kind of go through the various channels until you ultimately secure a contract. The challenge is this is by them being more responsible in their waste disposal practices is not required by law. It does not generate new revenue. It does not cut their expenses. But they legitimately want the service because they see its benefit to the environment. And most of these people have traveled and they know that that is how waste is supposed to be handled. It's supposed to be managed, not just dumped. However, any operational glitch within their uh, area of priorities takes our line item issued in terms of waste management from being number three 
to always going right back down to the bottom anytime they have a revenue generating or cost reduction activity that comes in line. So it takes sometimes in excess of two years uh, to be able to get a single contract with a client that told you from day one that they actually want the service. Um, sometimes nine months. The shortest time it ever took to be able to secure a client was about three months. And I've only had two clients that actually came on board within that time. I have clients that took a year, year and a half, two years. But maintain engagement with them throughout that entire time. And throughout the entire time, they still said they wanted it. But eventually, come on, they did come on board. So is there anything from your experience that you think could be done to help with that timeline? No. <laughs> uh, no, because at the end of the day, yeah. it's a, it, it's still an operational change for any business. You're changing your service provider that's currently dumping in an unsustainable way all of your waste in the landfill. So now you have to give them a 30-day notice. We have to we'll provide the contract, the design, the signage based on your unique kind of waste stream. So if, even for us... There's about a two to three month kind of mobilization period that, so from the time they sign the contract to the time that we start, we normally like about three months just to mobilize. One, to give them time to be able to notify the existing contractor that their services are no longer needed. Time to be able to schedule the necessary training with their staff. Time to be able to construct because we also design their the area that will now become their waste management and uh, recycling area. Before they were just dumping it in a bin or whatever the case, but now we're setting up a program, a whole system. It's time to, we have to take our measurements. They have to do the fabrication of it. So it takes about three months. So that's under the best of circumstances. But if they have issues that deal with their core business operations, we just, waste is just not, it's just not in that top um, tier of, of priority. So we just, it's basically just um, being consistent and diligent in staying in contact and communication with your prospective client. But there's no fast track way of being able to shorten that timeline. When we actually look though at the the impact that the traditional way of doing business, mm-hmm. where they're just having everything dumped at the landfill, when we really look at the impact that that's having on the environment, with all the increased awareness on on climate change, especially within the Caribbean, we see the the, the impact that is having on us. It plays a huge role in this whole fight against climate change. How we actually manage waste. I, I was talking to another colleague of ours yesterday, and it was reminding reminding him that with us Red Diamond in particular, we operate by a principle in nature there's no such thing as waste. We just find what purpose can this serve, right? There's no such thing as waste. Only human beings have been generating waste for the past, you know, several years. So how big of a role is what you're doing really playing in this whole climate change situation? What I've found with most of the regional and international organizations that involve in climate change, environmental management, and even with what they would call waste management and water, waste and sanitation, organizations that provide resources, do studies, reports. When it comes down to the nuts and bolts of actual implementation on the ground in the area of waste management, I basically find zero implementers of waste management systems. The connection between improper waste disposal and climate change is not deemed to be one of the higher contributors, but it is a contributor. And what I find is that the regional and international organizations, because they're limited implementers on the ground, don't really talk about the waste management side of it from 
like an implementable standpoint. It's normally a heading, but you don't see or highlighted a business or institution that's actually tackling that very, very core basic activity that human beings do every single place that they go, which is generate waste in an unsustainable manner and dispose of it in an unsustainable manner. So that's what I have, that's what I've, I've found. But the climate um, climate change is impacted by improper waste disposal. Waste, waste management is an essential service like fire and law enforcement, but it's not treated as that. You know, it's not treated as that. So whenever you have a major disaster, you know, a, a climate intense um, activity, you don't find that the the waste side of the spectrum is actually even addressed. You see the images, but nobody actually talks about the the garbage floating in the water. Exactly, that's that's so true because it was some recent event, and I'm looking at the it, you, you, you know because I, I guess I was more uh, cognizant aware of it because of the area that I'm in. But I'm like anybody noticed all the garbage? It was so much garbage. Now, one of the things there is that one of the things we built into our contracts with our clients is that whenever there is like a hurricane watch or a hurricane warning, we normally clear out 100%. Even when we may not be scheduled for that day, yes. we clear out 100% of whatever their waste is. Because in the event that there's a, a, a direct hit or a hit that impacts on their waste is going to go is going to go airborne or is going to wind up getting mixed into the water if there's flooding. So th- we build that into our into our contracts. But generally speaking, that connection and recognition of waste management as an essential essential service is just not there. And there's nothing jazzy about what we do. At the end of the day, we we will always be taking rubbish into the landfill and we'll be also, you know, taking recyclables to our facility to process. But nobody's turned on by the innovative nature of waste management. You know, the guy that's doing battery recharging and taking plastic bottles and turning it into diesel, those are the things that are jazzy and you know, but what I'm doing, it, it's it's needed. It, you don't have to you not you don't have to pay for anything extra for it because we don't charge our clients more money for the service that we provide. So our stuff is basically for clients a cost neutral. Okay, there's nothing to buy. You're just paying the same amount of money that you were paying before. You're just paying to someone that's handling your material in the most responsible way possible. So that is in part a little bit of the of uh, of the challenge, but it, it is under acknowledged and underrepresented. Even though today at the the summit, the World Bank representative, the first thing she mentioned was actually waste management, which I was impressed by that. However, getting into the actual nuts and bolts of it is a, is another is in a whole other aspect because you don't find it in the writing. You'll see a heading, but you don't see implementers. I'm the yeah. only implementer in the Caribbean region that's doing waste management and resource recovery under one umbrella as a climate action strategy and as an overall environmental management approach. I haven't found anybody else taking it that way. It's either you have people doing scrap work, you know, metals and plastic bottles when there was money into that, but no one is really doing waste management. What would you say if I were to make the statement that, as I said, the importance of what you're doing 
in any given community or society, it reaches to the extent where from the conscious activity that you're taking, conscious action you're taking, it would lead to improvement of the quality of the water when people turn on the taps, the quality of the air that you're breathing on a day-to-day basis. And I know a lot of us could, sometimes we in the we tropical Caribbean, you know, we could take a lot of things for granted, such as air quality, you understand? But the activity and action that, that you're doing, that you're taking, is impacting those areas. Yeah, I mean, the, first of all, improper waste disposal contributes to soil pollution, water pollution, and air pollution. And the thing about it is that pollution is not necessarily visible. Litter is visible, okay? But the amount of waste, both e-waste and plastic waste, and other ways that it winds up in our water chain is not necessarily visible until there's some type of a flood. But the bottom line is the pollution aspect of it is ongoing. We just don't see the pollution. So the contamination is is, is, is active. It's a, as you and I are sitting here right now in St. Lucia and in Barbados, there are plastic bottles in a river. There are plastic raw bottles in a, in, a, in a gutter that's making its way to you. As we're sitting here right now, we don't see it, but the damage is being done so you know to to kind of respond to what it is that you're saying it, it, the the connection is it's it's, it's direct but isn't because it's not as visible people forget that it's actually still polluting and they, so so the pollution is like ongoing you may not see the litter yeah. but the pollution is actually already taking place because the litter is now moved into a different location it's now covered by grass it's now in the it's now known it's like behind the tree it's in a bush you know a cigarette butt is like in the soil the person came and you know they they raked it but they didn't pick up the cigarette butt so now the cigarette butt is now in the soil the pollute now is the pollution is at work we want to do more community-based work that allows for the awareness raising but most importantly the changing of practices um, and we're actually doing a program at a school in St. Lucia where we're actually going to be put, get, providing students with an environmental, it's a environmental, it's a environmental sustainability kit. And basically, they will be provided with the tools that they need to reduce their use of single-use plastic. So they will be given reusable straws and the, the, the instrument to clean the reusable straws. They'll be provided with an insulated stainless steel container for them to be able to hold their liquids. They'll be provided with a stainless steel canister for any food. And they will have, you know, a, a bag. Um, oh, and the other thing is that they'll also be provided with reusable utensils, okay? Made, uh, most likely, it'll be uh, out of bamboo. And it will be the pouch that will hold the cutlery is actually will be made of repurposed fabric that we have received from our clients who would have, by if we were not doing it, that material would have been disposed of in a landfill. So we're actually repurposing fabric from one of our hospitality clients into a pouch so that the the holder for the cutlery becomes more almost like an accessory so it's something that the, the students would you know it would be cool to to have it you know um so and we're working with the the, the environmental clubs um, or one specific environmental club where we're basically going to be uh piloting this so i i'm not a supporter of showing young people how best to move forward on environmental issues and then not giving them the tools that they need to really 
do it for real, where every time they use that straw, they know exactly what benefit is coming from it versus telling it to them and then setting them free to continue to. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really, that's really impressive. And I know as you've been, you've been telling me over the past day about your area is, is really focused on that behavioral change. What you just explained with the program is something that to me is impactful on so many levels in that this is something that you see at times governments would take lots to take up initiatives to get things like this done and listening to you you can tell you can hear the passion and you can tell how well thought out that program is and it is only now to see the the effect that it would have in the next generation that is to come. Everything that you said more or less kind of summarizes the emission statement that we have, which is being a part of the vanguard of our green revolution. You know, the next generation of of regenerators is going to change the the way that the world should be as we see it, Um, which is one that's going to be better for us and for the generations to come after us. So so tell us, if we want to learn more about Green in the Caribbean, what you have up and coming what's the best ways to get in contact with you the best way um we've been trying to build our social media presence more by posting more of the activities that we're actually involved in so whether first place to go is you land on on the website greenofthecaribbean.com and then from there you could um tap on to liking us on instagram and also uh, on facebook we're on twitter we're not as active on twitter but Social media is, is really the best way to kind of tune into what we're doing because every now and then something unique may pop up that we wind up doing. And it's just always good to kind of keep the region abreast of what we're doing because some of it applies to their, may apply to their island and something that they can, they, can, they themselves can do there. Well, Wynn, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Any final messages you want to leave with the audience? The one, a couple little phrases that I've, I've, I've been kind of using and one of them is and this is from the UN compact making we need to just make global goals local business and I think that's what we're, we're trying to do so making global environmental goals operating these things into our day-to-day business practices that, that that's one and then the other one that comes to mind is if you're not part of the solution then you're part of the pollution, okay? So it's added, so the good thing is to be part of the solution, not the pollution, you know, and that's really it because it, because at the end of the day, you know, it, 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 sums, it, it boils down to that. You know, it's either you're contributing to making the world a better place or you're part of wrong. There's, there's no in-between. There's no neutrality on that one. We couldn't have ended on a better note. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and we're going to stay tuned. So thank you again. Thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, remember to share it on your social media or tell a friend about it. Your support allows us to continue to create and share this amazing content with you.